0: You are now listening to the Claim It podcast with me, your host. I'm laughing because I don't know why it is so hard for me to record this this morning. Maybe because I've been recording my audiobook in the studio all this week, and now I just can't speak out loud. <laughs> but I'm just going to roll with it. I'm not going to toss this one. Claim It podcast hosted by me. Trisha Huffman. (laughs) On this podcast, I truly love having conversations with people getting into the journey of their life, not just the sparkly new moments, but what got them there. Because I think it's so easy to look at people and see their success, their pretty social media, and think, there's no way you can do that or compare yourself to them when you really don't know them and that we're all humans and have daily struggles no matter how good we have it. I hope that by listening to these conversations, it empowers you to be more compassionate with yourself, to get out of your own way, to be honest with yourself, and and more. On today's episode, I am so delighted to share with you this conversation with Jamie Varon. She's an amazing writer, like beyond social media, but I discovered her on social media with one of her many viral posts. And every time she posts, I'm just like, damn, this woman knows how to write. <laughs> and she's often sharing things that I share a cinem- similar sentiment to, and I'm and I'm like, oh my gosh! The way she said that is just so beautiful. And I'm super excited because her first book, which is called Radically Content, OMG, is coming out a few weeks before my first book. F the shoulds, do the once. And yeah, throughout this conversation, we realize we have a lot in common. We also have a lot not in common. Uh, but. I'm so excited for her book, and I'm excited for you all to learn more about Jamie. Here we go. And oh yeah, FYI, both of our books are available per pre-order right now. You can buy them at any booksellers, and we both have bonus gifts. So for mine, if you go to com, you can... Find a bookseller there, and then you come back to that page. Or if you already bought it, come back, go to that page, and then enter your information and get access to bonuses from me. And Jamie's, I don't have the direct link, but if you go to Jamie Varon, V A R O N, the link will be in the show notes, com, or you can just Google it, you'll see book. And she actually is giving away, um, I think, signed nameplates if you pre order. So pre-orders really help authors, especially us first-time authors. So go get our books and here we go. I love starting with people's journey, talking about especially like what it was like for them growing up, but I especially like to hear about high school years because I feel like high school years can be so rough, but also like there's so much pressure and we haven't we haven't really talked about this yet, so we both apparently have a focus on shoulds and not going with the shoulds, but I think especially high school, that's where it can very much start. I mean, I think it's much younger, but even especially like, okay, what are you going to be when you grow up this? And what should I look like? And am I should, you know, trying to fit in and all of these things. So I especially like hearing about high school years. And if you like had an idea of what you were going to be when you grew up.
1: <laughs> Ooh, I mean, high school, as with anybody, like it's, uh, yeah, I have a lot of feelings about high school actually. So I really love this question. I think that pervasive feeling in high school was very rejected. I don't know if that was necessarily true. It was just my interpretation of the events. And when I was a freshman in high school, my brother, my older brother was a senior. And I liked his the proximity to him. But it also felt like I didn't, like growing up, I didn't really feel like I had much of my own identity apart from my brother, because even with like my parents divorced when I was really young. So I spent a lot of time with my dad and it was very much about like my brother's baseball career, my brother's music career, like everything was just really focused on my brother. And so I don't think that it took me until college to really say like, who am I? What what matters to me? Because I think in high school, I've, people have told me that they thought I was like, cool. And, you know, kind of over high school. Like, I guess I gave off this, like, like you were like, you above know, like I was it, like too good of, for high school. That's what they- and I'm like, um, no, I was just trying to like stay under the radar <laughs> and, you know, make sure, you know, I just felt like, I felt, I think I was very insecure. Um, I had been like, not necessarily like heavily bullied, but definitely like in middle school had been made fun of for my weight. And so by the time I got to high school, I was just like, nobody look at me. Everybody kind of like, let me do my thing and let me get through this. And I think that was also a time when I started to notice that I would like kind of disassociate from reality in order to deal with reality, which like had continued to be a pattern and is something that I now am very aware of that I don't do anymore. But I that was a coping mechanism. And so high school just felt very intense. I wasn't really like in my element, in my genius. I didn't know what I was doing. Like I actually, at that point, my whole goal was like Get out of this hometown because I grew up in this like affluent um, Northern California town where like we weren't affluent, but everybody else was. You know, one of those places where like everybody's driving a new car, but the teach like the students are driving a new car, but the teachers are driving like. Old beat up Hondas, and me too. I was driving the old beat up Honda that everyone was making fun of, and I thought it was cool that I even had a car. But they were like making fun of me for not being rich, and I didn't realize that until like ten years later. I was like, "Oh, they were making fun of me for not having money." Like I thought I was in on the joke. I wasn't. Oh
0: wow! <laughs> so you didn't even realize that you weren't like that. <laughs> that yeah, left. I was like, "Cool, That's probably better," car. But- you know. <laughs>
1: They're like, you don't have a brand new Jeep Cherokee. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Um, (laughs) I have my brother's old car. This is cool. Um, And so I think that my whole goal is like, get out of this oppressive environment where everyone is exactly the same. There's talk about shoulds, like in those kinds of places, those suburbs where there's money, everyone's trying to be the same person. No one wants to stand out. No one wants to do anything, you know, that kind of ripples the status quo. And I was like, I am oppressed here. Like, I could not wait to get out. And so, my whole goal, I didn't even think past that. I don't think I was like, just get out of this town. And now I go back and I'm like, it's fine. I don't really, it doesn't affect me. But as that like young teenager, I was like, there's no art. There's no culture. Everybody looks the same. It's so annoying. Like I didn't, and I don't think I really realized how much that was going to like define me was this like, I cannot be in these like homogenous environments where people are just all trying to like be conventional and conformist, and they don't even know it. And I'm like, I can't deal with that. And so when I got out, I was like, I'm free, <laughs> you know, like I'm out of here. And that was the biggest thing. Cause like I, I thought that I had a lot of dreams, but really the dream was just like, get out and then figure it out and get around people that you're gonna like actually be able to connect with because I was done with that town.
0: And when you were like, cause you were saying like, oh, just trying to like blend in or like put your head out and get, get through it. Like, did that even affect like what you wore in like, you know, like the clothing? I don't know if you had a uniform or like at school or whatever, public school or what, but yeah, like, and also did you have like at least some close friends that were that, or did you just sort of choose to isolate or had friends, but still were like, okay, I just still don't really feel like I belong here. I always had a lot of
1: friends. I've always had friends. It's just, there weren't people that I was really super connected with and my style. uh, I mean, I had no style. I didn't care about style. I mean, growing up, I, I was, I don't know if this term is okay anymore to say, but at the time we called it being a tomboy. Like I was more of a tomboy when I was growing up. That's what they called me. And, um, I was fine with that because I wanted to be like my brother, you know, I wanted to be a boy. I was fine with that. I mean, I wanted to play video games and get my knees skinned up and everything, whatever that means. This is very like typical kind of cliche ways. I'm not saying it as like anything prescriptive, but in my mind, that's how I felt. And then, um, I think that I discovered clothes in any kind of way in college because I just felt like, I think even in high school, I was like, just get a, like, I don't even want to be noticed. I don't even want to think about anything. I don't really, it's weird. It it was not something that I was really trying to individualize myself with. Um, So clothes were not a consideration at all. I didn't have style. I don't think I even like was really tapped into my artistry at all.
0: Yeah. I know I asked because I had a, a, another past guest, Haley Bateman, and she would talk about like how like just disappearing and, and, and like where she even had like, you know, she had like wore a hoodie. Like, you know, it was like she very much even her wardrobe was like now like, yeah, I had this like hoodie that I wore every day or just sort of like she very much was even like, let me disappear. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, okay. So you said you did go to college. So you were like, okay, let me get out of here. And then you went, did you then, yeah. Did you pick a college and just to, just to get out of there or did you have any sort of idea or like, yeah, like you said, you had these dreams, but then it was just like, oh, to get out of there. Like, where did you actually move to after high school? So I had all the dreams
1: of like, I wanted to go to New York. I wanted to be, I thought like, I'm going to be a writer in New York, you know? And then I don't know if this was right, but a college counselor, we hired this counselor to help. And I guess in that public school that I was in, the guidance counselor was like, you can go anywhere, like sky's the limit. And then we hired a college counselor because that area had a lot of money. So we hired a college counselor to really help me with my applications. And they were like, you can't go anywhere. You guys don't have enough money for any like any of these places. Like, you think you're gonna go right. to New York? If you were one of the other families, yeah. then
0: maybe. Like, if yeah, you were the Jeep G-
1: Cherokee, you'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> but you have the eighty-five Honda.
0: Come on, <laughs> we can put your face on a. What were those people doing that were paying to like, get in? Like, yeah, we can get you in anywhere.
1: <laughs> they were like, um, "You can't afford private school." They were like, "It's not possible." And we were also one of those weird families where it was like. There on paper it looked like we made too much money, and then to get financial aid, and then but we didn't actually have that kind of money, and it was just like a mess. So I ended up just going to this uh, state school in California. I went to Chico, and that was like the place you don't go to. That was the place like you go if you're gonna party. And I was like, ended up in Chico, and but it was another one of those things where I was just like, just get me out. You know, like,
0: because you did at least like, yeah, like living on campus, it
1: wasn't, it's three hours away. I was in the dorms, like I was out. And so that was, that was really the function of it was like, and I even thought maybe I'll transfer, maybe I'll figure it out. But I was so just like, I can't even think here, you know? Um, and that was probably not great, but I just didn't have, I don't know. I was just, uh. Trying to get out of there and trying to start my life and see what else was gonna happen and and take me. Like, where was I gonna go?
0: Did you stay at Chico? I did. Yeah, I liked it. And graduate? Well, that's good. And so, yeah, like, what did you end up? You mentioned writing early on. Did you end up like going deeper into that in college? No.
1: I was such a weird person. No. I was like, I don't wanna learn writing. I was like, you can't tell me. It does seem like an odd thing to say. Yeah, you can't tell me how to write. Like, that's my art. (laughs) I was like such an obstinate child, like teenager, Um, such a rebel. But I I ended up doing, um, what I liked was like, I always had a lot of interest. So I actually ended up changing my major a lot. I was like theater arts for a semester. I was psychology for a semester, communications for a semester. I ended up just doing, I did so many random things. I went to like the counselor there uh, and they were like, you know what? You have done a lot of random things. We're just going to make you like a social sciences major and put it all under there as like you have a bunch of different concentrations. And I'm like, that works for me. So I took like psychology classes, theater arts, all kinds of different creative writing even. And it was fun. I mean, I just did whatever I wanted to do
0: so I love that. And now, like, again, since I don't know much about you, but just from reading the one sentence on your website about the societal shoulds, and then I'm like, Oh my God, we're obviously going to be <laughs> best. friends. So that to me is like, crap, but I make up, you know, other people would have a hard time doing that. Or did you get shit from anybody from like, Oh, you changed your major again. Like, you know what I mean? Because I don't, that's the thing. Like people will be like, no, you just choose a major and do that. Okay. Maybe you can change twice. Or once, but you know there is this like shame projected on people. If like you don't know what you want, or you're changing your mind again, but like yeah, because I didn't, I tried that. It wasn't it, so I'm gonna try something else. Like to me, that's like great. I don't think I did. I feel like, well, first of all,
1: my family—they're not a college family. Like I was like the first person I think that went to a four-year college in like the whole family line on both on my mom and dad's side. So it's not like a real. Academic type of history. So I don't think if anyone even noticed or cared in terms of family. And then my friends, I I don't know, we just drank a lot. (laughs) Like it was, you know, like I just did my thing and I didn't really talk about school that much.
0: But I don't even know, like, do you realize that how you must a different sense of like yourself that you must have had, even if you don't think you did to again, not just pick up on the shame of like, oh, I must be doing something wrong because I can't figure out what I want instead of just being, oh yeah, I don't like this. So let me change my mind. Like, that's what I feel like people get so hard on themselves for like, I'm not allowed to quit something or stop something or change my mind. What will that mean about me? Yeah. I think the should started later in my twenties because, and the shame
1: of that kind of stuff, because I really had this, I think it was a a saving grace. I really had this sort of chip on my shoulder of like, no one's going to effing tell me what to do. You know, like that was my whole attitude. And so I think I had this sort of brashness about me. And then it was later in like my late twenties, early thirties, when the should started to get real loud. Cause I was like, this is unexpected. I have not lived by these shoulds for the, for the majority of my life, but I felt like it was time. It was kind of this like time to grow up time to grow up and like follow all the boxes and the lines. Like you've been, you've been doing your thing in your twenties. You know, we all say you can like mess around in your twenties. And I kind of like really took that to heart. I was like, let me just F around, you know? And then um, when I, then it was like, grow up time to grow up. And that's when I, it was like this onslaught of the shoulds where I was like, I have kept these at bay for like a decade and now, or two decades almost. And now suddenly, I mean, I had some like with my body stuff, like I had insecurity about my body and things like that, where it was like, I didn't even think that was a should. It was just like, you're supposed to be thin. So like be go like hate your body until it's your, it's
0: your fault that you're not like you somehow fucked up. So you need to carry that shape. This is not our (laughs) expectation. That's something you got (laughs) to deal with. (laughs) I was like, and then
1: that hit me. I was like, Oh, that's an expectation too. Like that to me, just, I didn't even connect that. Um, But when it came to career and things like that um, and how I lived my life, I really think there was something that sort of saved me where I had that. I was like, I'm not going to be told what to do. And like, I don't want to end up normal. Like my whole thing was like, don't become normal. Like all the people in my hometown. So you have to do abnormal things in order to not become boring,
0: monotonous and normal. So what, let's skip back to college. You graduate with a degree of variety, social, whatever. Um, and so then yeah, what did you did you at when upon graduating know what you were going to do or like what direction did you take from there? No, I took five years to get my degree.
1: <laughs> it's So funny because I'm like, this doesn't match up sometimes. I took five years to get my degree. Um, and then when I got out of college, I was like, I don't know what I want to do. So I got this like receptionist job at this um coffee distribution company in Chico for like six months, just to kind of like make money and exist. And still, I was like, I was still clinging. College for me was so fun. Like I loved college because I was finally out of the hometown. I got to reinvent myself, which I did like every single year of college. I think of it as a reinvention because I had different little, I was a new person each time and I had so much fun. I loved it. And, um, I wasn't ready to stop, you know? And so I took this job and it was, I was using nothing of my degree, obviously. And then I needed to get out of there because <laughs> I caused some like drama with a the guy there and it was like a bad situation. <laughs> like it, so, uh, I was, I was wild. I was a wild kid. Early twenties. Yeah, yeah, I was right. a wild in my <laughs> early twenties. Let's be real here. Um, I did not hold back. I was like, I'm gonna sow all the wild oats because I didn't want to, you know, again, I didn't want to be the boring old, like the boring people <laughs> from my hometown. So I was like, do all the things. Um, so then I had to leave and I got this like I got this idea that I wanted to be in tech because I loved computers. I was always doing computer stuff, and I was like, you know what? I had this feeling even though I wanted to write I was like I just don't think you make money writing and as we discussed I've always needed money you know I don't come from no one paved my way and so even while I was in college I was always working at least one or two jobs and all the time and so I've been working I mean I've been working since I was probably like 12 when I started babysitting my little babysitting enterprise um and so I just focused on tech for some reason. You know, that was the time it was about 2008. I think you're in Northern yeah, California everyone yeah, was going right, to where San like- Francisco to do tech and I'm from the Bay area. So that was kind of like, I'll go to San Francisco. And I got this job at a startup that was doing, it was like a social network for writers. I was like, this is my place. Here we go. So I leave like, it, under the veil of night kind of way with this job that I had to, that I, you know, like went up in flames and then I had to leave. And then I went to this job and it was like one of those where I was living at home, um, in the Bay area, very temporary, but I had to live there because I had to leave so fast. I couldn't find an apartment in San Francisco yet. <laughs> so, you know, it was just like a mess and so I go to this job, and it was one of those startups that was like, don't expect to have a life, like, devote yourself to this job. And that was the time where, like, that was a normal thing you could say to people. You can't, I don't think you can say that now. Like, most places can't say that now.
0: I think, especially. Especially during, still, I was going to say post-pandemic, but we're still in the pandemic. But like, that's, (laughs) I think, especially after pandemic, it's not. Post-2020.
1: I don't think you get to say that to people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But at the time, that was a completely normal thing for the vice president to say to me. And it was just, that turned out to be a mess too. And I left within two weeks and I was like, I don't think that I can have a boss. I don't think I can do this. And so I quit that job thinking, okay, I'll get something else. And so I wanted to work at Twitter. So I made this website and I knew everybody wanted to work at Twitter at that time. So I made this website called twittershouldhireme.com. And like, it had my resume. It had all this stuff. I had no skills, no skills. What's Twitter going to hire me for?
0: But I had, but I thought, and you even like, you built a website. I built a website, but, you know, <laughs> I'm not an
1: engineer. Twitter was, it like, was like very looking basic, for like-
0: engineers, you know? But
1: I, in my brashness, decide to send that website out, and it goes viral, as those things do, you know? And I become, like, this internet sensation for a couple weeks. It's, like, so bizarre. It's just, like, just girl trying yeah. to get a job at well, Twitter. Well, because it was, like, it not- was also <laughs> a recession, so everyone was talking about, like, new ways to try to get a job in the recession, you know? And Got like it. CNN, I did an interview with CNN. I was in Fortune Magazine. It was so, so were you like, what the fuck is going I on? I really was. I'm like, okay, I'll take. yeah. <laughs> I went with it. Twitter asked me oh, to yeah, lunch, and gave me lunch. And then they were like, you have nothing, no
0: skills. <laughs> and I was like, Fair. Like, fair, but then so I took uh, I got that, I got your attention and the intention of the entire world. Yeah. So that would be a skill. Right. <laughs>
1: I'm like, um, marketing. Anybody? Hello. Um, but then weirdly, someone messages me. They email me, and they're like, "I really like the website that you did for TwitterShouldHireMe.com. Are you making websites? No, but I said, yeah." I was like, I'll be a website designer. Like I'll be a web designer. And then I became a web designer in 2009 and I started my own company and to
0: this day still
1: have it. And I've never worked for someone again.
0: And did you, like, was when you built that website, was it just sort of like, how do I build a website? Or like, was that part of, had you taken some sort of coding or whatever?
1: Nothing. I knew nothing. I don't know how I even did it. I just
0: like, I had, but you're a just like, okay, I pulled it off. So sure. I can pull off another one and then another one. And then, and you obviously keep learning as you keep doing it. And I think it's because I
1: loved MySpace, and I was always building little things in MySpace, And then I have blogs for a long time. So I initially started doing design because I wanted to design myself blog headers. That was the big thing. Headers in the blog. Cause nothing else could be really customized And so I actually had some design skills, but it wasn't something I had learned. I just, honestly, it was very stressful, but I just kept saying yes to people. And I was like, I'll just figure it out. Like, I'll figure it out because if I can do this and I don't have to commute by BART to a job, like I don't have to have, because like also one of the other things was That first job that I got right out of college um, after the coffee company, the social network for writers, which isn't around anymore, the guy was like real weird. Like it was, I didn't realize it at the time because I didn't really understand, but it was like definitely some sexual harassment. And I was like, I'm out of here. I don't want to deal with this. You know, like I don't want to be in this life. And so... I was just, my mom, my mom and my dad both own their own businesses. So it really, I had kind of a model for it. And I just was like, you know what? I'll be scrappy. I'll make this work. And clients just kept coming. I mean, I never advertised nothing. I got a lot of, I think because of the website that went viral, I kind of got my name out there. And then I just ended up, um, also I was using like a framework for um, WordPress that, the guy that created it, he really liked my design. So he started like promoting me a lot. I just got a little, like some, some help along the way. And, um, I just went with it. Like I did not even know how to have a business, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to figure it out because I had two weeks of corporate life (laughs) and that was enough. Like, I never want that again. Um, And so I didn't even like being somewhere at the same time every day. I was like, you want me here at 830 every morning? That's rude. It's honestly rude. I don't want that. (laughs) Like, I don't know who that girl was. She really had a lot of, she had, you know, a lot of gumption is what I'll say. But I like her. I like that she did that. She, I, my past self, she didn't want to, she didn't want to take any shit from people. And I think that was really helpful because uh, that, even though I had some, a lot of struggles in my twenties, that was really defining moments for me of like saying, you know what, two weeks is enough for me to know that this isn't for me. And if I can make it work, if I could do it, I'm going to do it. Like, and I'm going to just see, you know, and I always said, if I, if it didn't work out, I'd get another job. But I mean, 2009, it's been a lot of years
0: now. Yeah, so I'm guessing you had to learn a lot on the fly, even about like how to pricing yourself. And yeah, like time, all the things, but you just kept figuring it out. I kept <laughs>
1: figuring it out. And I had some like random and my life at times has felt kind of magical. Like there's certain I I I expect that. I expect that there's like gonna be a, a sense of magic and surprise to my life. And so there's been some like things that have happened, like for example, the first first summer I was doing design with my company, this guy calls me or messages me, emails me to to set up a time to talk. He wants to hire me for a website. And I quote him for the website and he's like, that's too low. I'm paying you $5,000 for this website. And I was like, (laughs) what? Like I had charged my first person $150 for a website. Oh yeah. I had no idea. So I was like, $5,000. I'm like, that's a lot of money. I mean, you know, and he was like, I'm paying you $5,000. I'm sending you a check. We're going to do this website. He sends me the check. I cash it. I do the initial logo. This guy to this day, this was back in the summer of 2009. He ceases to exist. He literally sends me a $5,000 check, (laughs) tells me to raise my prices and then flies away. Somewhere, I've never
0: heard from him again. He, n- I never did the website. Wait, like so, you didn't even, you never did the website. You just did like here's okay, here's a logo. And to do he you never this. and you to never it. heard from him again. So it's like an angel yes. that was like, you must I, raise I, your prices. He was <laughs> a check in full, and I was like, <laughs> it was
1: great,
0: it was amazing. I was like, thank you, angel. So things like that. But that's the thing. Like, yeah, you were only charging $150. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think that is a big thing when people are starting to do anything and like being recognized. And yeah, you're like, I don't know what to charge for this. And of course, when you're starting something, sure, but even for me being like, even me thinking back then, sure, you'd only built one website, but somebody had seen it enough to like it. Like $150 is like
1: nothing. Nothing. But I thought
0: that's so
1: much money. Like I thought, you know, and then I, it was, it was a pretty, after I did it for $150, I was like, this is not enough money for the work that I just did. So I started, I raised my prices pretty fast. Like I, I could do that, but it initially, yeah. How do you know what to price things? And it's so uncomfortable. I mean, I was uncomfortable sending proposals for the first two years, I think. I mean, I would stress about it check my email. Like, are they going to, co- you know, you never want the person that's going to come back and say, this is ridiculous. I'm never not mind you for this. And then you're just like, that's what I thought you'd say. Yes. Um, so I had to really, you know, built a lot of confidence having to do that, especially because like now there's so many courses, there's so many things like you can probably learn how to do anything now from anyone who's already done it which is amazing. But at that time, 2009, there was absolutely zero roadmaps. Nobody was doing, people didn't even think I had a real job. Like they would say like, oh yeah, you have a job, you work from your computer. And now it's like, that's completely that's what, normal. Yeah. yeah. That's what <laughs> everyone does. But at that time, people would be like, you want to go to lunch? And I'm like, I have a, I have a job. They're like, do you? I'm like, oh. Actually, yeah, I actually do have a job. Um, so it was uh, it was really interesting the way that it pivoted, and then I just went with it because it felt so much better than applying for jobs and waiting to get picked. And you know, I I felt like this is a gift.
0: So what um, like what's the next like part in your life, or even when you mentioned earlier, like yeah, when you started to feel the shoulds cr- creep in. Or did something else happen between those points? No. From like building your own web design?
1: I really, I mean, I did in my 20s. I traveled. I lived in, I lived in Rome for three months. I lived in Paris for a year. I met my husband, now husband in Paris. He didn't even speak English. I mean, I was doing my own thing. And then. And that, and you're working from wherever. Working from wherever. Have all my class, Traveling where you wanted. And living it up and living it up. And I think that was, I was pretty steady with that. And then something happened in my late twenties where I was like, why am I not a writer yet? Why do I not have a book published? I should, I'm falling behind. I should have already had that. Like I started getting really upset with myself and I was like lost perspective on my life for a while. And then I turned 30 and it like crashed down around me because when I was 29, I got this job. This was the only time I didn't work for my, I was still doing my design work on the side, but it was only time I'd had a like a real job since 2009. And I was working as a writer for a website called Thought Catalog. And they do, you know, kind of like it's BuzzFeed ish, BuzzFeed adjacent. And I was, Promised that it was going to be my ticket to writer stardom, all the things, and it wasn't. I gave it like a real long year of trying and trying and trying, but it was really just like clickbait. You know, it was kind of click clickbait, and I that sort of sent me into like, why am I not where I thought I was going to be yet? Like, it's almost like I kind of like woke up to, well, now it's time. I mean, you're 29, you're 30. You got to like grow up. You got to get your shit together. You got to like, now you're an adult. You got to, I don't know, something about turning 30. It was like this onslaught of all the things that I hadn't really, I, I was so caught off guard because I was like, I'm turning 30. So what? And then it was, psh, Like all this stuff of you're not a writer, you're not this, you, you're, and there was also some practical things of like, you know, you're in debt, you're like, you got to pay off your student loans. What's wrong with you? Like, I just got all this shame and shoulds. And like, I also, you know, my husband and I, we met when I was like 25, 26 and we've always been really unconventional, you know, traveling and doing certain things and like living the life we want to live. And then it became like, no, we have to settle down now. We got to figure it all out. We got to like, and I don't know where it came from. I mean, I do know where it came from,
0: but <laughs> like, but it just, but you're, yeah, like. It's from all around you, it's but yes, like all of a sudden it sort of like exploded within you. Yeah. Like suddenly you're tuned to a different radio station and you couldn't turn it off. Yeah. And I think it was always there. I
1: just did a really good job of distracting myself. There was also there was a good amount of healing that I had to do in terms of, you know, how I viewed myself. I I think that I recognized that I definitely struggled with anxiety and that. As a, instead of like working on the anxiety, it was more like, let me just distract, escape, avoid, disassociate. Like I had some habits that were not healthy for me, even though I had a great time. I mean, it was so fun, but it's one of those things where like your habits and your way of coping work until they don't. You know, until you recognize, like, hmm, this is not really how I want to continue going. And so, in many ways, it was a good wake-up call. But in a lot of ways, I was like, "Wow, this is really intense." And I know that people get it from a lot of different sources, even earlier than I did. And I, like I'm saying, I mean, it it did have. I did feel all of those. I just had that sort of like, like, "Fuck you! You're not going to tell me." What to do? Right You
0: just like brought, brush yeah, it, off you it off. brushing it off. And, sort and of. then
1: something about turning 30, I guess, in my mind, that was like, that was the time when you were supposed to have it all together. And like if and I also think, our generation grew up like thinking that 30 was the end of your life, essentially. You know, it's like downhill from 30, you know, I was recently, I recently rewatched the nanny and she is so intense. Every single episode is about how she's not married by 30. Like, and she's not even 30 in the show. She's definitely older, but you know, that right?
0: Was, <laughs> I know I was like thinking of like imagining that show, I'm, like she's wait,
1: definitely like <laughs> at least 40 in that show, but you know, I, I, it fit the narrative. But I was like, this was a pervasive thing in our lives growing up like in the 90s, um, I assume, or similar ages. And so it's like we grew up thinking 30 was it. Like that's your – that's it starts to go downhill from there. And I think that I had really internalized that. And then I woke up to being 30 and I was like, oh, no. I am not where I thought I was going to be. I had these high expectations that I truly didn't even think through, you know, and this whole thing. I mean, I thought, I can't even imagine now thinking this way. But at that time, I was like, I'll never write a book. I'll never do anything ever again. That was it. That was my cutoff.
0: Because you were 30 because now? <laughs> I was 30.
1: And I'm like, now I'm 36, almost 37. I'm like, that is laughable. Like, that's so funny to even think like that. But, that, but I'm not alone. That's how a lot that, that happens.
0: Psst, it's me, Trisha, bringing you a brief interruption to tell you, remind you about some other ways that I'm here to support you. An easy, affordable way is I have a daily inspiration app. It's called Own Your Awesome. You can get it in the Apple app. Or Google Play App Store. You can come to it anytime you want and sort of pull a digital card. It has hundreds of powerful thoughts and affirmations. I just opened it up and got, I open myself up to receiving everything is going my way. You can swipe through, hit the show me a card button. You can favorite them. You can hit the three lines in the app and then go to where it says daily and set a time so that every day you'll get a reminder to go to the app and pull a card because you know, we're human. We forget to do things that support us. I just hit it again and I got, you are allowed to rest. You are allowed to turn your body and your brain off. You are allowed to do what brings you pleasure without feeling shame or guilt or feel like you should be doing something better. So you see all sorts of different things in there. It's only $3.99, one-time fee, no ads or anything like that. I also have products in my shop, including the physical Own Your Awesome Affirmation deck, Journals. My favorite is the Daily Connection Journal. It has these daily prompts for you to fill in to get connected to yourself. Makes journaling a lot easier and more fun. I also offer coaching not year-round, but right now I have coaching spots available and for the first time in 6 years I'm starting to offer different coaching packages. So if you are interested at all, DM DM me at underscore Trisha Huffman or send an email to yourjoyologist at yourjoyologist.com. You can also go to any of my social media profiles and hit the email button from there. I mean, there's plenty of ways to get a hold of me. Um, since they're in process, they might not be up on my website yet. So check in with me, super excited to be offering different packages that aren't so intensive and at different price levels. All right, let's get back to this awesome conversation. I remember growing up, my mom had me when she was 30 and I, and like, I'm, I turned 41 next next week. I, 10 days. Oh, it's the, February 10th. So I'm 40, 40 right now today. You are 40. <laughs> um, 40. Yeah. Uh, I have to always do the math. But like, I remember like for that, for back then, my mom was, for me, I'm the second child, like being 30. And I remember like, oh, my mom is so much older than the other mom. So I'm definitely like, you know, going to be married and have kids before I'm 30. That's like so old. But then I had some stuff early on where I then was very much like, fuck everything. Like I had at fifteen, I had a very like I almost committed suicide, and then just decided because and it was I mean a lot of feeling pressures from the outside world, but I also was dealing with undiagnosed pain. But I chose to live, and I was sort of like if I'm going to live, and I'm just going to do things my way, and like fuck whatever anybody else thinks. And I even with my parents and everything, sort of just like did my own thing. Um, so that's why for me, my father passed away in 2008 suddenly. And I was living my biggest dream. I was a sound engineer for Grammy award-winning artists, touring the world. On my time off, I toured. Like I was living out my life. And when he passed away, suddenly I got this internal message to eliminate the word should from my life. And I was like, that doesn't even make any sense. Like I don't live a life of shoulds. But I actually chose to focus on the word should and I gave it up. And I was shocked at how much exposed about like how we limit ourselves every single day. And like, even once I took the, and so now it's past a decade later and it still comes up so much every day, but I'm so present to it that now, even though I don't use the word, I feel the energy of the shoulds. And so, yeah, we got, I was like, I wanted to get my sort of should story out there. But like, so I didn't have that 30 pressure, but I remember, yeah, like being a kid of that, like, oh my gosh, my mom is so old. But then I'm now, when you were talking, I'm like, yeah, I didn't really have any ideas of like 30 or 40. And then, but, but it'll push in. Cause even the fact of like, you'll, I'll see people, you know, sharing that statement, meme, whatever about like, oh, you know, forget about the 30, 30 list and whatever. This person wrote their first book at this and this, whatever. And every time I see those and people celebrating so much, I'm always like, it makes me stop and be like, oh, wait, am I supposed to be mad at myself because my first book is coming out when I'm 41? Like, it sort of works in the opposite, though, where it starts to then, sh- like, it starts to reverse shame me. Like, oh yeah, people are celebrating these old people. And I'm like, wait, 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 am I, am I behind? <laughs> and then like, no, 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 no. Like, you know, like it will creep in that way. Like, oh no. And then like, right, 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 Trisha, right,
1: right, right. <laughs> I've definitely had that on Instagram. Where I'm like, <laughs> like that, <laughs> I didn't even think to be, worrying about that do I need to add it to my list of
0: worries (laughs) like like you're like you know you're like yo, we were all worried about that I was like oh it wasn't oh no (laughs) anxiety great
1: (laughs) great oh fuck I fucked up I wasn't worried about turning
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know but not really but then I catch the hilariousness of my brain doing that but (laughs) that's the like it is like, what's going on in there that for a moment you're like, right. I'm not enough because I wasn't worried about that. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> but like it is, but it's real at the same time. And yet,
1: and yet, <laughs> and yet there's a lot of people who I feel like whenever I talk about age, because like I always think about falling behind and all this stuff. I once wrote this post called to anyone who thinks they're falling behind in life. And it was the freaking most viral post I've ever written. Like it was picked up everywhere. And people are like, this is finally someone saying, and I was like, wow, this is a thing that a lot of, I thought it was a me thing. Like my whole life, I thought it was just a me thing. And then that I was always feeling kind of behind or whatever, had this comparison to other people's journeys. And whenever I talk about that, I get so many people who are like, I'm, you know, 32 and I think it's too late for me. And, you know, da da it's like, it's, Uh, It is so prevalent though, because, and it's something people, I think they don't talk about because they think that what I've noticed is that they think that it's like not something they can interrogate. It's just a given, you know, just like the same way where we're like, Oh, women hate that they're aging. Well, I guess we all hate that we're aging, you know, like, I guess that's our thing that we do. And we don't think to interrogate it because we're just like, I guess I'll just climb aboard the bandwagon and hate that I'm aging, you know, it's things, things like that. And so I think a lot of people, that's why, like, I talk about the things that I talk about because I'm like, you don't even know to interrogate this, that it's just a societal expectation. Like that we, just the fact that like, why do we even celebrate when someone achieves something quote unquote later in life? Because it's like the people that are celebrating that are the ones that have created the norms that we don't even need to create. Like they, they put these like parameters on things that it's just like, why do we need to celebrate someone writing their book at like 50? Because we have this expectation that no one should be able to write their book at 50, but it's like, where did that even come from? And this is when I go a little nuts in my mind. So I'm like, but where's that from? And why is that? And, what, and what's the point of existence? Like I go into this, like this total existential spiral, which is something I secretly kind of love about myself.
0: I, I do a somewhat similar, but I snap myself out of it so fast to like, Cause I will be like, what? yeah, what the, what, why are we here? And then I'm just like, well, great, I'm here, so I'm just gonna be alive. <laughs> like, like I just mm, like, I love that. Like when I start to like get so confused and overwhelmed by it all, then I'm just like, oh, well, I'm never gonna figure it out. So hello, I'm alive. Fuck all that shit.
1: <laughs> oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. I like that better <laughs> than what I do, which is try to figure it all out and get the answers. <laughs> You know, the, the best. I try best to wishes. figure out best the most
0: you. <laughs> it's Just like, where am I going with this? <laughs> uh, so okay, so what ends up happening from your spiral because you're there? You obviously at some point you have a book coming out called "Radically Content." What's the subtitle? Being satisfied in an
1: endlessly dissatisfied world.
0: Which I love so, so, so much. Which that's even the reason my podcast is named Claim It is because I, again, I would see because from two, I lived out my biggest dream. And while I was doing that, I was working for people living out their biggest, biggest dream. These are people that writ their own songs, were so successful flying around the world, you know, like had buy the same shoes over and over because they forgot, get on private jets. They even had supportive loved ones. Like it looked like they have it all. They have it all. They do. They're living the dream and still not feel, you know, like successful enough, comparing themselves, doubts, shoulds, fears, doubts, all of that. And so it was like, I remember, like, it was just sort of like, that's like another thing that shook me up when my father passed away. I was like, why are we not? Like, what the hell? Like, people living out their biggest dreams and are still not feeling fulfilled, are still not feeling enough, are still not feeling worthy. Like, what are we always striving for? That it is like, so the claim it came from like, If you're going to put your attention on what it is that you want to feel instead of, we, I think we put too much attention on what it looks like, like what success looks like, what fulfillment looks like, what being enough looks like. And so we don't ever feel like we're enough, but I'm like, well, what does that even like feel like? What would that feel like? And if you actually put your attention on feeling it, then like you can work to claim that in any moment. Even if you've done absolutely nothing today, you can claim you're enough, you're successful, you're worthy. So, But I, again, was tuned into also like this never ending cycle of chasing these things and that you get it, and then it just gets moved on, (laughs) moved on, moved on. (laughs) I completely
1: agree. I mean, I love that you have that perspective because I almost have kind of come to the realization that like the people who have those huge conventional success, like the have-it-all people, they actually, it's even harder. Like, because they are upholding an image, and then now it's like, You can't say anything because you're supposed to have it all. You're the ideal. So, like, shut up. You know, no one wants to hear about you being sad in your like $5 million house. I mean, I do. I would really like to hear about that. I want to hear how you really feel. But the general public is very shamey to people like that. And so, we never get a real true understanding of what it's like to live like that because everyone's sort of like, we're all in on the lie, but we're all upholding the lie. Because I feel the same way in that I noticed after, after the initial like 30s spiral, took a couple of years, really tried to figure out what was happening. I noticed how much I was doing the I'll be happy win game. I'll be happy when I get this. I'll be happy when I get that. And that I was constantly punishing myself for not being there yet. And I thought that was what I was supposed to do. Like I'm not, I can't claim, like what you're saying, like, I can't claim that, like, I love myself because I'm not where I'm supposed to be yet. So that's just lying to myself. Like, I can't love myself if I'm still not a published author, for example, or I'm still not thin, or I'm still not that whatever it is that you, whatever, now that's just like, take an hors d'oeuvre, because it'll be any, it'll switch every single time. You get one thing and then it'll just leapfrog to something else, which is how I definitely know that now. Um, but that was the big realization and why I started to get really interested in the idea of contentment, which I had grown up thinking contentment is you're lazy, you're complacent. It sounds so boring. Worst thing you could (laughs) ever do. You cannot be content." content. Like Fuck you for being content. Like, it's like, I imagine like you
0: know, like on a rocking yeah, chair, like, like knitting, right. just staring out. And now
1: everyone, fast forward to 2020 where it's like, that's the dream. Rocking chair with the knitting and the puzzles. We're loving that. We love it. But like at the time I was like, contentment, I'm giving up on my life. Like I'm giving up on my dreams. And I had to, I almost went through like a detox grief period where I had to, I was like, you're going to like detox from your fucking toxic ambition, where you think that your life is nothing unless you achieve all the things. And I was like, I'm not going to live like this anymore. So I like quit everything, quit everything. Like in 2018 ish, 2017, 2016, I was like, you're not allowed to write anymore. You're not allowed to have dreams anymore. You're not allowed to do any of the things anymore because you are just going to make money, get out of debt, work with your clients and stop. Like you have to stop because this is not making you happy. Like I was so, and I realized, I was like, I have never just tried to be happy, like ever. I had always thought like, no, you, you earn your happiness.
0: Uh, you don't get to just- Once I do this, yeah. once this happens, once I, yeah. Once like I you don't have a book, you don't have a million dollars, you're not thin,
1: you're not famous. <laughs> you don't get to be happy. What? You have to earn that, bitch. Like, come on. That's how I was to myself. Like even even in the, t- the fun times in my 20s, that was, I thought that was how, I thought that was my edge, being an asshole to myself. Like I really did. You know, I thought I was like, cool, I'm not going to give up. I'm not complacent. I'm never going to be content. I'm going after
0: my passions. And then. I mean, it's sad, but it's like I'm nodding my head because it's like, that's the person that is so celebrated, though, or has
1: been. Constantly. That is the person that's celebrated. I mean, it's like girl boss culture, boss bitch, all these things. And I get it. It's exciting. I I do think that there's – that's why I wrote Radically Content because what I found was there was either books that were so girl boss, like, you know, productivity-focused, achievement-focused, success, success, success. Like we replaced – like the expectations for women were replaced from like – you know, domesticity really to like, now we need career success, do it all. And then, or I found that there were like too many books that were really focused on like complete, like minimalism or like, you know, really opting out of all of it. And I was like, where is this kind of like measured middle ground where you're content with where you're at, where you at, but you also have space and joy and challenge for the things that you do, all the other things that you want to, where you're not holding yourself hostage to the present moment of like, I'm not there yet, but that you also can think like, what's your ambitions? What are your dreams? What do you want to challenge yourself to do? And I was like, that doesn't seem to be in existence yet. I mean, maybe it is, but I just haven't found it. But I was like, I need a way to be able to marry the fact that like, I want a joyful day-to-day life. I want to feel mostly content in my life. Like how you spend your days is how your life is. is I mean, the big moments are so fleeting and I've had dozens of big moments in my career. And believe me, they, they come and go as so fast. You kind of feel cheated in a sense. <laughs> You're like, that's it? that's what I just did all of that for. And I told myself, I'm like, you don't get to suffer for the big moments anymore. Like you can push yourself, you can challenge yourself, but you don't get to harm yourself and punish yourself because you're not where you think you need to be yet because it doesn't give you what you think it's going to give you. Like just what you're talking about with like, these are the people that are at the pinnacle of what we're supposed to want. Like touring musicians with number one songs. I mean, that's what you're supposed to want. And yet, what did it solve for them? Like, you also, I was, I know that like you get used to your life as well. Like, you get used to that kind of life that it becomes your normal. And so, you need other things that aren't just achievement based because after a while, it's just like, it kind of feels the same, you know? So, It's a, it really like opened my eyes because I was just like, so all this time, what I've been adamantly against, which is this idea of contentment is now the thing. Now the thing. Okay. Like (laughs)
0: life way to be funny. Way to be funny. But it's so good. And it's so funny because it is that word content, which I, it never, I don't think that word ever showed up for me until like, and then when I saw your book, I was like, oh my God, yes, radically content. Um, Because even like, like I said, I just, uh, my book comes out a month after yours, which I'm so excited to then like readers, which is F the shoulds, do the wants. (laughs) Get, Get clear on who you are, what you want and why you want it. But like I talk about, you know, it's, some of the same things, but like, I've never, I don't think used the word content. And like, and so that's why I was like, when you said, like, when I saw the title, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so great. Like, yes, like that is like the the thing. And because I often, yeah, I'm talking about like, don't be so busy, like trying to live your dream life that you aren't actually enjoying your life while you're in it. Like is a big thing that I'm constantly porting out because again, it's like, yeah, I have big dreams and a lot of people do. And even if you don't have, a big, but I also think too, people shame themselves for not having a big dream, you know? And it's like a lot of inspirational, motivational people. Then it's like the people I'm constantly, when I'm doing coaching groups and stuff, like you, you don't have to have some big dream people, like having joy in your life, having contentment in your life, like it could be your like dream. Um, but like, yeah, like it's okay. Great. Yeah. Not like you stop doing anything or striving for anything, but like, yeah, like that can't be like, once I get there, then I can, yeah. Like enjoy my life because then you just never will, because then you'll just move it on to like the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Right. Cause it's not that you haven't achieved enough. That's
1: not a lot of people think like, oh, it must be that I haven't achieved enough. That's why I'm not happy in my life. That's the equation they use. But for me, the equation is your well-being is the foundation of everything. So like, whereas instead of believing like, oh, I get to focus on my well-being and I'll be happy and I'll feel joy once I achieve X, Y, Z things, I'm like, I get to feel joy and happiness and contentment, and all of these things, regardless of what I achieve. And then I achieve from there. Like that to me is like, that's true foundation. The other way is such shaky ground because it's like, it can go up and down. Like that's not stable. And I want like that stable foundation because I've recognized now, like joy works better. Love works better. Trying to at least attempt at some version of ease works better. Like I stick with my habits more. For example, like if i want to achieve something big like write a book i'll stick to my habits more when i'm going toward a positive thing as opposed to going away from a negative thing like instead of going okay for example um i want to write my book and i don't want to when i'm writing a book I don't want to feel like my writing is shit. So let me just like write the best thing I've ever written in my entire life to prove to myself that I'm not a shitty writer, right? That's the thinking, you know, once I write the best thing I've ever written, then I'll know I'm good enough versus just saying to myself, It feels so good to just get words on the page. It feels so good to just write. I know I can edit. I know that I can work with something when I actually have something written on the page. Like, how much more do you want to sit down and write when you think like that? Like, just focus on the consistency. Just focus on doing it. Just focus on the joy of being able to write today. Like, if you have a spare hour to use versus, I have one hour to prove that I'm a good enough writer. Like, talk about, that's why everyone has writer's block. Like, that's why writing is so hard because you sit down and you're like, this has to be fucking perfect. Otherwise, what am I even doing? I'm never going to be successful. And then I'm never going to have joy because only, you only get to feel joy when you're successful.
0: I'm getting hot. Yeah. When you were like <laughs> saying, uh, that the, like, oh, I can only write if it's the best thing I've ever, I was like, I don't think I'd probably ever write if that was like the approach. <laughs> I don't think this has to be the best thing that I've ever, ever. I would never write. <laughs> I'd sit there in complete freeze mode. Oh, I had to mention too, when you were talking about how, like, you know, you would seen oh, a lot of books are like telling you, oh, to have the dream life or like whatever this. Yeah. I, uh, even now, like I'm gearing up to start promoting my book and I'm having people, you know, build the pre-order page. And so like, I wrote like, okay, they were like, here, we need a, this pair, you know, this statement or this, whatever. And then they wrote back and they wanted to edit something I said to be like, you know, to do this and then you'll be living like your dream life. Like that's what they added to. And I was like, no, I'm not selling somebody the idea <laughs> of their dream life. I'm telling, I'm like, the whole book is about, bring the self-awareness that, you know, like seeing all the shoulds in your life to switching to wants, but it's not like, I'm not selling somebody some big want. Like, so it's like a tricky thing. It's even, it is after the shoulds do the ones. So people either immediately saying like, okay, just go live your want. I'm like, no, but it's actually like, I'm talking about like daily, like moment to moment shifting. Oh, like I should be thinner, blah, 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 Then like, oh wait, what do I like? It's like about questioning your thought processes, all the book and like uncovering these things. But yeah, it's like that people just want to they're like, oh yeah, so why don't we need to change this to like you? And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not selling people <laughs> that they're gonna read my book and have their dream life. <laughs> The entire book telling you this is going to be a lifelong struggle. I gave the book up over. I gave the word "shut up" a decade ago. I struggle with it every day. Blah blah. blah. Yep, you're going to have shame, and this is what you're going to do to recover from it, and this is blah blah. blah. And again, okay, you're going to have doubts, and you're going to have fears, and all those things are going to go away. You're just going to get much more aware of them, so then you can heal them.
1: The marketing language is so much. I think that's what also what has like gotten in our heads too, because stuff like that, where it's like the un like the unofficial last guide you'll ever need to living your most dreamiest, perfect, best life. And it's like, that's a high expectation. Also, like, what is the dream life? Like, I don't even think people have an idea of their dream life. And then if they probably, just the same way that so many people before twenty twenty used to say to me like, "Oh, you're living the dream, working from home, working for yourself, Oh, you could be in pajamas all day and I'm like, "How was that for you guys in twenty twenty That's tough, huh? It's hard to stay motivated hard to hard to sit in your pajamas all day and have some like self confidence right like there's some things you know it's like but that's in The most of the time, our idea of like the dream life or our best life, it's all just in this, it's all a perception. It's how it looks, not really how it feels. Like I stopped using those terms too. I mean, I never talk about my best life. I'm always like, I want my freest life. I want to just be free. I don't need to be the best. I don't need to make my life look better than it is. I'm just going to live like how I feel in my every day, like Monday, Tuesday, when not just on the weekend. How do I feel on Monday? That matters to me. Not just how I feel Friday night when work's over. Like... I want to know, am I, how do I feel Monday at 2 p.m.? Because to me, that's the measure of my life versus how did I feel when I got this big, splashy accomplishment and it lasted one minute? And then what? There's the rest. It's like, well, then it maybe it lasted a day. So then you have 364 more days to do what? Just wait, keep waiting? I'm like, I'm not going to wait. I don't, I don't, I want my life to feel joyful on a daily basis.
0: Yeah. This is what, so this was the sentence that they like wanted to change, which was like, learn how to listen to what it is that you truly feel and want so that you are living your most present, aligned and alive life. And they were like, can we just change that to like your dream life? And I was like, well, no, because I'm not really even selling you like you're going to be present to what you're feeling (laughs) aligned with (laughs) what you want and why. And you're alive, but that doesn't mean. Much. Yeah, that's not most people's dream. They don't know that yet. Now they, they will. And so they're like, no, no, can we just change that to your dream life? And I was like, you, you don't understand what I'm telling you. I'm sorry, but we're not. I, I wish I could give
1: you. I know. I know. I-
0: but yeah. Yay. I am so excited for your book. And I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. I could keep talking to you for hours and hours and hours, but I'm going to get to the questions I ask everybody. The first one is, did you get, uh, did you get the image I sent you after the fact? Okay. So I have a product line and those there's phrases that go on my keychains and I ask everybody to pick, not necessarily which phrase they like the most, but which one they're like, oh, I want to be like, oh, Right. Oh right, when you see it, <laughs> I liked the I am magic. Oh yeah, and you mentioned magic earlier, right? Yeah. So yeah, tell me why that one spoke to you, even though we you sort of mentioned the idea of magic earlier. I
1: think because I, in the past, like year in twenty twenty one, and now going into twenty twenty two, I am w- inviting a lot more magic into my life in the sense that, like. I don't want to force things to happen. I want things to be magnetized to me, opportunities, whatever they are. And I just want to be like a magnet for that kind of like aligned magical experiences because I've done enough forcing. I've tried to make, I've made things happen and they don't always feel the way I want them to feel. And for me, the things that feel the best are always the things that just like, wow, that was totally unexpected, but I can't, I'm saying yes, because it feels so right. And I'm lit up by this and I'm going to do it. And I want more of that. I'm inviting more of that magic in versus here's my five-year plan. And this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I expect. Like even with my book coming out in April, I want that to be magical. I don't even know where it's going to go, what it's going to do. I have no expectations and I just want to enjoy it. Like I just want to be out there and I want it to just take on a life of its own. Um, And so I've really just invited a lot of magic in. So that one really stood out to me. Yeah.
0: Love that. And yeah, I'm feeling that in my life at the same time too. It's like, don't, yeah, it's like, even though I have myself so many ideas and like, I want to, it's like, yeah, it's like pulling back from the forcing or like needing to prove myself and sort of more settling into, okay. I am worthy. I These things are welcome to come to me and not that I'm going to stop like putting myself back or out or hide myself, but yeah, like just that shift in energy. Okay, what is a go-to to raise your joy levels? Maybe you're feeling a bit funky and you're just like, oh, I want to boost.
1: There is, to raise my joy levels never fails. Go on a walk. I just love my walks. Um, if I really need to be raised in my joy, I go to the beach for a beach walk. And I absolutely, there's not, I've never gone to the beach and gone for a beach walk and left not feeling lighter.
0: The next question I ask everybody to apply this to their own life. What is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. That doesn't mean it has to be harder, but just how sometimes like, oh, what is, I usually do this. I go to, so what is easiest for me is blank. What is best for me is blank. Uh,
1: What is easiest for me is watching Netflix, watching TV. But what is best for me is reading a book, cooking dinner, being more engaged in my life.
0: Yeah. Maybe some Netflix. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm not saying none. I'm saying some. Yeah. (laughs) But no, I went... I don't know if it was December. I think December, I think I might've watched everything on Netflix. So I think I'm recovering now and remembering like, oh, right, books exist, right? Journal, I'll remember, journa- like, yeah. <laughs> remember these things. I forget this
1: all the time. So, you know, I get into a good show and I, sometimes I'm like, go for it. You know, when a show's really engaging and beautifully done, I'm like, I'm immersed in the art. But sometimes I'm like, you're not immersed in the art, Jamie. You're just tuning out a little bit.
0: Uh, okay. The last question is: I already mentioned why I named the podcast "Claim It." So I would love to know: What are you claiming for yourself right now?
1: I think I'm claiming, and it's a reclaim that well-being is the number one priority focus, and everything has to come from my well-being, emotional, physical health.
0: Yes, so vital for all of us congratulations. I, yeah. I'm like, we mentioned your book, but also since especially you mentioned writing so much, like congratulations, this is your first book, right? Yeah. And congratulations to you. I love thank you. Birth- and but, book birthdays. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Mine's May 10th. And also we didn't, uh, uh, you're also writing fiction. Yeah. I
1: wrote a novel.
0: That's so awesome. it was that been, I mean, again, we didn't, we knew that you kept mentioning wanting to write, but was fiction writing like always something that was in there or is that something that just came up recently?
1: Um, I think it was always there, but I finally got the nerve to start it. And I started writing in 2020, um, writing fiction. And I, one of the books I wrote, it will not see the light of day, but the other one now it's, it's on its way. It's, it's on its journey. It's a long journey, you
0: know? Congrats. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously I just wrote my first like nonfiction like you. And so we understand that's a long journey, but my mind is even more blown for people who create fiction. <laughs> it it's, like, it's like, because like, yeah, like, okay, that, I was writing from my own like yeah. lessons and this and what I like knew, but yeah, you're creating a world. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a, it, it was a different part of the brain, but it was so
1: fun. I really enjoyed it.
0: Awesome. Well, congrats again. And yes, everybody go pre-order or order if it's already out when you're listening to this, radically content. Thank you. Congrats to you as well. Thanks for the chat. I hope you love that conversation again. Go. Order both our books. Aren't you excited about both? <laughs> so for Jamie's, jamieveron.com, go order Radically Content. And mine, you can go directly. Oh, you know what? You can go to radicallycontent.com for hers also. Just realizing that as I'm saying it, just like for mine, you can go to com. To pre order, go to wherever you order books, but you can go back to both of those pages to get bonuses from us. Follow Jamie on social media. Of course, I'm at underscore Trisha Huffman on social media, trishahuffman.com, yourjoyologist.com, all the things please pre-order our books. It really helps us first-time authors to for for the publishers, for the booksellers to know that people are interested in them. And then they, so they actually stock them more than just like, right now it's just like, okay, we'll put these out. These There is pre-order. And so they're figuring out how much inventory they're going to need when the book is actually for sale. And of course, making sure they have yours in stock. I don't know. There's a million reasons to pre-order. That's just a little bit. You can also get my daily inspiration app called Own Your Awesome. You can shop my products. And um, hey, while you're uh, listening to the pod, how about you go leave it a review? Because reviews also help. Also, reviews really help books. So once you read anybody's books, go leave them a review. That's something that also helps books become more discoverable on the internet worlds. All right. Thank you again so much for choosing to spend time with me for the final thought of the day. Let's sit with this idea of being content. I would love you to sit with and think about, hmm, not what does that look like for me, but what would it feel like to be content? Try on this feeling of contentment. All right. See ya next week or just keep on listening to more episodes. There's plenty to listen to from the past.